One of my favorite verses about the blood of Christ is Isaiah 1.18. The Lord offers an invitation. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be as crimson, they shall be as wool. When a person puts their trust or faith in Christ as Savior, the blood of Christ makes them white as snow. It allows you to stand before God as though if you never sin, all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles again, you will please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please. As you turn there, you're probably wondering, where is Pastor Self this morning? Pastor Self is not only our music ministry, he's also got a ministry with our college and career age, and he's on a retreat up in South Carolina with him this weekend. He'll be back with us. Uh, in fact, he'll be coming back late tonight. But pray for travel mercies. The Lord might use the retreat to be ministered to our college and career uh, age young people. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, please. Of course, our theme, which we the choir sings every Sunday morning, it's on the front of your bulletin, is rooted deeply, standing firmly, and living steadfastly. That's for the year but it's hard to believe November will be here Wednesday. Where did the year go? My goodness. And we focused the beginning of the year on rooted deeply in Christ, then standing firmly. But the last several weeks, I've been talking about living steadfastly. And two weeks ago, I talked about steadfastly living for eternity. How important it is for the child of God to live for things that will last forever, not for temporal things. And this is a, a part two of that message. Some of it will sound familiar. Hopefully some of it will be new. And I encourage you uh, to listen carefully. I want to talk again about living for eternity. Living for things that have eternal value. As an individual, I'm constantly reminded of something that's temporary. Something that does not last forever. For example, my house, my home. When I first become pastor, my wife and I lived in a parsonage right down the road here, about a quarter mile on the left-hand side as you go south. We lived there for several years. Then the church bought the house next to us, which is now the church office, but that was the parsonage. We lived there for several years. While we lived there, we bought an acre lot, and, we, and then we built a house on that, a brand-new house. We lived there over 25 years now. And though it was new at one time, it is constantly wearing out. <laughs> We had to put a new roof on it. We had to put new, a new, it's a new bathroom, uh, construction bathroom. A new front porch is constantly wearing down. I wish it would last forever, but it does not. How many understand what I'm talking about? You constantly work on that. And even though you wish it would last longer, it is momentary. It is temporary. Another thing I found out is, <laughs> is my yard. <laughs> I work in there. I enjoy working in my yard. Some of the messages I preach, I come up with as I'm riding on the lawnmower. Well, I'm knowing that I enjoy mowing the lawn. It's therapeutic to me. I find great pleasure in it. When it's all done, it brings, I look at it and say, this is nice. But I think I share with you, there is an animal that's tearing my yard up. Something I love it. And I, someone gave me a trap. So far, I've caught two cats, three raccoons, excuse me, four raccoons, three uh, possums, and one armadillo. I've been told it's an armadillo to tell my yard up, but I only caught one, and he's still doing it. The last couple of days was good, and I put up the cage, and I went out this morning, there's holes all in my yard again. And it's terrible, and I wish it would leave it alone. I, 
But it shows me I have a yard that's temporary too. So whether it be a house or a yard, all of you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, some people live for the yard. Some people live for the house. Some people live for the car. But these things that are temporary and not eternal. So pastor, how can I live for the eternal? How can I live for that which lasts forever? Let me give you, first of all, it's recognizing what is eternal. It's important for the child of God, if I'm going to live for eternal things, things that last for eternity, we need to understand what is eternal. Let me give you two things that are eternal. Number one, the Word of God. The Word of God is eternal. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the verse will be on the screen. It says, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth. Many of you work in your yard a lot. You plant plants, you got plenty of flowers, but how many realize they're only going to be there for a short period of time? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. But, notice the contrast here, but the word of God shall stand for how long? Forever. God's word is eternal. Another verse, Luke 21, 33. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The earth we live in, the heavens around us, one day will pass. My friend, God's word will last forever. Another verse, this is a quote from Isaiah in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. Sounds familiar. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. So if I'm going to live for the eternal word of God, let me ask you a question. How much time do you give reading the word? How much time do you give studying the word, applying the word? How much time do you spend under the teaching of God's word? Uh, that has eternal value. So many of the times we do other things that are temporal, but how often do we learn, study, obey, read, and share the Word of God? These are eternal values. Number two, number two, the second thing that is eternal, not only the Word of God, but the souls of men. The souls of men. My friend, you will live forever somewhere. If you're saved, you'll live forever in heaven with God. If you're not saved, you never trusted Christ, you will live forever in a place called hell. Everybody will exist forever. Your body will not live forever. One day it will die. But you, your spirit, your soul will live forever somewhere. Look in Daniel 12. They'll be on the screen. I have you turn to verses another time. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of them that sleep, those that have died, in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting what? Contempt. So whether you're saved or unsaved, you will live forever somewhere. Matthew 25, 46. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So another thing that's eternal is the souls of men. How much effort, time, attention do you put on reaching people for Christ? My friend, that's another eternal object, the word of God and the souls of men. And I encourage you to think about how much time, attention, focus do you give to the word of God and sharing the word of God with unsaved people. These are two things that have eternal values and allow you to build up treasure in heaven. We saw last time the Bible says, lay not up upon treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay your treasures where? In heaven, where moth does not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. How do you do that? By focusing 
sharing, attention, leaning, obeying the word of God, and sharing with all souls, trying to reach people for Christ. These are two things that have eternal value. So how does a believer live for eternity? Recognizing was eternal, and number two, realizing what is temporal. Realizing what is temporal. First of all, I think you all understand this, our physical body is temporal. Our physical body is temporal. Looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, please. Chapter 4, verse 16. Paul said, for which cause? Now, the cause there is the glory of God. You see that in verse 15. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice the contrast here between the outward man and the inward man. What is the outward man? Our bodies. Our bodies shall perish. The word perish means decay. Our bodies are going downhill. No matter how much exercise, how many vitamins you take, it's just a matter of time. Your body's going downhill. How many understand that? Now, when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. But wait, give it time. That body living is going to start decaying and start perishing. In fact, seeking to preserve the outward man is fighting a losing battle. <laughs> Let me say that again. Seeking to preserve the outward man is fighting a losing battle. Hold your finger in Corinthians. Go now to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Page 1671, if you use the church Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Notice what it says about exercise. How many enjoy exercise? Some people, I have people in my neighborhood, I see them every day running and walking around and getting exercise. And I look out there and I said, that's good, but you're fighting a losing battle. <laughs> <laughs> exercise is important. Don't let me take away from it. In fact, what it talks about is profit in it. But we're going to see here, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth, what's the next word? Little. So yes, you ought to exercise. Yes, you ought to take care of your body. It's God's temple. And we'll help you live longer on this earth. But it does profit, but it profits very little. But read on. But here's a contrast. But godliness, things that pertain to God and his word, is profitable unto all things, having a promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise only profits this life. And it's not very long. It's short-lived. But godliness, things that pertain to God and his word, not only profits this life, but the life to come. And so we need to realize one thing that is temporal is our physical body. The outward man will perish. But he goes on to say, go back now to Corinthians. The outward man perished, but it goes on to say, but the inward man is renewed day by day. What is the inward man? What is it that is renewed, strengthened day by day? Look over here, please. That man of me, look at it, is you know, seeing it. You're looking at it. That's my outward man. But the inward man is the man that God creates in you when you're saved. The Bible said God creates in you a new nature, a divine nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he say what? A new creature, new creation. So there's a part of me that's born of God. It's called a divine nature. It's called the inward man. The outward man, my friend, will perish. The inward man will live forever. And the inward man, while we're living on this earth, is renewed, strengthened day by day. 
The inward man is renewed, strengthened by the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Let me say that again. This inward man, this new nature, is renewed, strengthened. That's what the word renewed means. By the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Look on the screen there, please. Look at the verse I want to share with you. Ephesians 3, 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be what? Strengthened means renewed with, the, with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So this inner man that I have that is going to live forever is strengthened every day by the Holy Spirit. And he uses the Word of God to do it. Colossians 3, 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the Bible says the outward man is perishing, is decaying. How many say, Pastor, I resemble that remark? That is true. If you're in, getting up in age, you realize that body we live in is perishing, is dying. One day you get a new body, hallelujah, but while this one's here, it's going downhill. But the inward man we have will live forever. And it is renewed day by day by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So the first thing that's temporal is our physical bodies. The next one is our physical afflictions. Our physical afflictions are also temporal. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, our scripture text, verse 17. It says, for our light affliction, there's the key word, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. There's two words that Paul contrasts here. The first one is the word affliction. All of us have afflictions, physical, mental, many different kinds of afflictions, but we have those. And here he uses two words to talk about your afflictions. First of all, our affliction is light. He says our light affliction. But interesting, if you ever do a study on the Apostle Paul, Humanly speaking, from a human standpoint, Paul's afflictions do anything but light. You see what he went through for Christ, you go, wow. And yet, he referred to it as light. If you would please back up in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look in verse 8. He talks about his troubles, his afflictions. Chapter 4, verse 8. Paul said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in our, the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, and the life also of Christ might be made manifest in our body. Look down, go to chapter 6, please. Keep your finger on chapter 4. Go to chapter 6. Here he talks further about his physical afflictions. Chapter 6, verse 4. He says, but in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, there's our key word, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes. Paul was beaten with a rod three times. In imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, that means staying up all night, in fasting, doing without food, as unknown and yet well known as dying, and behold, we live as chastened and not killed. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Do not turn, but listen. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our troubles, our afflictions, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, 
in so much we despaired even of life. So no matter what affliction you have, chances are you have not been what through Paul went through. Yet Paul said our afflictions are light. He referred to that. But also, another thing about our afflictions, our afflictions are momentary. How many say, praise the Lord for that? <laughs> the problems we go through physically are temporary, are momentary. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. When he, then he contrasts that there to the word glory. Look at verse 17 again. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, read on, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Now, the word glory here talks about what we're going to have in heaven. He mentions in here, he used two words to describe this glory. First of all, he said it is eternal. It is eternal. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh forth, uh, for us a for exceeding an eternal weight of glory. What we have in heaven will last forever. Listen to this verse. 1 Peter 1.4 To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Wow. What you have in heaven will last forever. You, know, you look at your house, it's fading away. I look at my yard, it's fading away. I look at my body and it's fading away. But what you have in heaven will not fade away. It will last forever. It is eternal. The glory you have in heaven is eternal. Paul's eternal perspective and hope and things to come sustained him in the midst of the sufferings that marked his ministry. So while you're going through afflictions, keep your focus on heaven, what he has for you there. The glory is eternal, but also the glory outweighs any and all suffering. The glory you have in heaven outweighs any and all suffering. He went on to say, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more ex exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The word weight there refers to a heavy mass. For Paul, the future glory he would experience with the Lord far outweighed any suffering he would experience in this world. Paul was weighing the difference. Paul was here weighing his sufferings on God's scales. He discovers that his sufferings are light when compared to the weight of glory that God has stored for him in heaven. His days and years and trials are nothing compared to the eternal bliss that awaits him when you go to heaven. That's true of Paul. It's true of you. Go with me now. Keep your finger in Corinthians. Go to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. He compares... Our sufferings on this earth to our glory we're going to have in heaven. Romans 8, page 1590. Our afflictions are light and momentary. The glory is eternal and will outweigh any and all suffering we have on this earth. Romans 8, verse 17, please. Romans 8, 17. He's speaking to those of you that are saved. If children, then heirs, verse 17, Romans 8. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may also be, so be also glorified together. Verse 18, Paul said, I reckon 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow. My friend, whatever afflictions you go through in this life, physical, emotional, financial, whatever it is, is nothing compared to what you're going to have in heaven. And as you go through, Paul enabled him to go through such persecution because his focus was not on the persecution, the afflictions, but his glory in heaven. So how does a believer live for eternity? First of all, he realizes what is eternal. What is eternal? The word of God and the souls of men. But also understanding what is temporal. What is temporal? Our physical bodies, our physical afflictions, and let us see our material possessions. Our material possessions are temporal. Look again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This time look in verse 18. Verse 18, our material possessions are temporal. Paul said, while we look, this is the verse we read together with Pastor Rick. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. We need to see things from God's perspective. We are to look past the temporary. We should look at what is eternal. Here is a written from a commentary. I, I want to read it to you, talking about this. We are to look past what is temporary. So while we look not at things which are seen, it says this. The most splendid palace will decay. The most costly possessions will crumble to dust. The most magnificent city will fall to ruins. The most exquisite earthly treasures, pleasures will soon come to an end. The most wonderful possessions can be enjoyed but for a little time. Also, the most severe pain will soon be over. The most lingering disease will soon cease. The troubles and the deepest of poverty and want and suffering will soon pass. There is nothing which the eye can fix, nothing which the heart may desire that will not soon fade away. That's the temporal. We need to look past the temporal and focus on the eternal. Look past the temporal and focus on the eternal. Paul said, while we look not at the things which are seen, then he goes on to say, but the things which are not seen. Focus on the eternal. The word look here, while we look not at the things which are seen, the word look means fix your eyes upon, to focus on. Believers must look past what is temporary and focus on what is eternal. My friend, that's hard to do. Because all we see with our eyes is the temporary, the physical. God said, look past that and look to the eternal. Hold your finger here. Go to Colossians, please. Colossians chapter 3, page 1659. Another wonderful verse talking about looking past the temporal and focusing on the eternal. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 talks about how we should seek treasure in heaven. We should seek treasure in heaven. In verse 1 of Colossians 3, notice the first word, if. The word if can be better translated since. Since you have been risen with Christ. As believers, have we been risen with Christ? Romans says, when Christ died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried with him. When he was raised, we were raised together with him to walk in what? 
newness of life. And since you've been risen to the Christ, read on, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. The word seek means set your affection. Talking about seek, aim at, focus on, strive after the things which are above, treasure in heaven. So often we get so caught up in seeking what the world offers us. And it's temporary. It's going to pass. God says, seek the things which are above, the things which God has for you, treasures in heaven. We're to seek treasure in heaven. We are to set our affection on eternal rewards. Look in verse 2. He says, set your affection and your desires, your wants, on things above, not on things of this earth. Think about this. The unbeliever, all he has to look forward to is what this world offers him. Ask, soon be past. My friend, God offers you so much more. He offers you rewards in heaven that last for eternity. So God said, seek those and set your affection on them. He said, Pastor, what are the rewards in heaven? I'm glad you asked. Come back next week. We'll talk about what rewards we're going to have in heaven. But the Bible says, lay up treasures in heaven. What are the treasures? He says, lay rewards in heaven. What are the rewards? So listen carefully. We're talking about living for eternity. We're talking about living for things that have eternal value. Now, see how well you were listening. What is eternal? Two things. What are they? Talk to me. The word of God and what? The souls of men. Now, what is temporary? Our bodies, our afflictions, and our material possessions. So important as you live for the eternal and not the temporal, it's so important for you to understand, listen carefully, please, the difference between salvation and rewards. Many churches would teach you that salvation is a reward. That if you live, for, you live and do right and behave yourself and do all kinds of good works, you stand before God, he'll reward you entrance into heaven. My friend, that is a lie. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a gift given freely. So the next few moments, I'm going to show you many verses on the screen. Do not, we'll not turn to them for the sake of time. Comparing salvation to rewards. I want you to clearly understand the difference. So on your sheet, you can fill out the blank, but notice on the screen. First of all, salvation is a free gift. Salvation, forgiveness, eternal life is a free gift. Look on the screen, the Romans 5.18. I think the verse is on your, just a, uh, the verse itself, the reference. Therefore, as by the offense of one, talking about Adam, judgment came upon all men, the condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Salvation is a free gift. Romans 6.23, many of you know this verse. The wages of sin is death, but what? The gift of God's eternal life. So salvation, free gift, but notice carefully, rewards are earned by works. Rewards are earned by works. Salvation is not a reward. It's a gift given freely at the expense of Christ. But rewards are earned by you, by the works you do for Christ now that you're saved. Look at Matthew on the screen, Matthew 16, 20, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then he shall reward every man according to his what? Works. 1 Corinthians 3, 8. 
Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Revelation 22, 12. It said, And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. So please don't confuse. Salvation's free gift given to you. But rewards are earned by your works. Letter B, the second one. Salvation is given out of grace. Salvation is given out of grace. Romans 5.15. It's on the screen. But, as the, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if though, through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abound to many. So salvation is a gift given out of grace. Many of you know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You can quote it probably. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself it is a gift of God, not of works, lest a man should boast. So salvation is a gift, but it's given out of grace. What is grace? Undeserved, unmerited favor. I don't deserve salvation. Can I be transparent with you? Even as a pastor, if God gave me a deserve, I'd go to hell. Because I've sinned. And the wage of sin is death. But God's given me a gift called eternal life, and he gave it to me even though I didn't deserve it. It's called grace. So salvation given out of grace, but notice next, rewards are given out of debt. Rewards are given out of debt. Romans 4, verse 4. It's on the screen there. Now to him that worketh is reward not reckoned of grace, but of what? Of debt. So salvation is a gift given freely, Rewards are earned by works. Salvation given out of grace. Rewards are given out of debt. Letter C. Salvation is a present possession. Salvation is a present possession. John 3.36. Many of you know these verses, but I will focus on a certain word on each one of these. It said, He that believeth on the Son, what's the next word? Hath. That's old English which means has, is <laughs> present possession. He hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, has, present tense, everlasting life, and shall not come in condemnation, but is passed from death into life. John 6, 47. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Listen carefully. Eternal life is not something I'm waiting to get. I have it. <laughs> I have it. God gave it to me the moment I trusted Christ. So whenever that time was, you made a decision to trust Christ to save at that moment. Here, it worked. <laughs> God gave you everlasting life. You have it right now. It's a present possession. However, Rewards are a future attainment. Rewards are a future attainment. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, when the chief shepherd, to the Lord Jesus, shall appear, he shall, it says, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Talking about a reward of a crown given to you. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. 
So right now I have salvation, but I'm waiting to get my rewards. I will get them when Christ returns. At the rapture, he comes back. He, at that time, he'll bring rewards with him. Letter D. Salvation is based upon the work of Christ in behalf of the sinner. Give you a moment to fill that out. Salvation is based upon the work of Christ in behalf of the sinner. In John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish whose work? His work. That's the reason Christ came, to do the work of the Father. And when was the work finished, or was it finished? Yes, it was. John 19.30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Listen carefully, please. There is a work required for salvation. But hallelujah, Jesus did it, finished it at the cross. I'm saved through the finished work of Christ. The work required, effort required for me to be saved, he did. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. So salvation is based upon the finished work of Christ on behalf of the sinner. However, rewards are based upon the work of the believer in behalf of Christ. Rewards are based upon the work of the believer in behalf of Christ. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, I'll give you a moment to fill that out. We'll talk about the contrast between salvation and rewards. Rewards are based upon the work of the believer in behalf of Christ. Listen carefully, we're going further. You can have salvation without rewards, but you cannot have rewards without salvation. You understand that? There'll be many people in heaven that have very little, if any, rewards. They're in heaven because it's a gift. It was given freely by Christ through the finished work of Christ. But only the believers who work for eternal values and do things for Christ, only they will have rewards. Some will go there empty-handed. Others will have many rewards. What are those rewards? Come back next week, okay? But we're talking about rewards or achieved. So we, where are we at here? Salvation achieved through the work cycle. The next one, I'm sorry. Did we get the one rewards are based upon the work of the believer on behalf of Christ? Look at the verse here, Titus 3.8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God, to my Christians, might be careful to what? Maintain good works. Why? For these good works are good and profitable unto men. So I profit rewards in heaven by the works I do for Christ. Rewards are based upon the work the believer does on behalf of Christ. And lastly, letter E. Salvation is achieved through the sacrifice of Christ. Salvation is achieved through the sacrifice of Christ. It's the sacrifice he made for me that brought salvation, forgiveness, eternal life to me. Hebrews 9.26 for then must he have often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the world hath he appeared 
to put away sin, how? By the sacrifice of who? Of himself. God took care of the sin problem and put away my sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, talking about the man Christ Jesus, after he offered how many sacrifices? One sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. Look up, please. It's not a sacrifice he made for you and a sacrifice you made for him that brings salvation. It's by one sacrifice that brings salvation. He made it on the cross. Salvation achieved through the sacrifice of Christ. However, rewards are achieved through the sacrifice and service of the believer. Rewards are achieved through the sacrifice and service of the believer. Many of you know this verse. You probably can quote it. Romans 12.1, speaking to the Christian, those who are saved. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A sacrifice, but a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So my salvation that I have, that I presently have, is obtained through the sacrifice of Christ and the work he did for me that was finished. But rewards are obtained, achieved through works I do for him and based upon the sacrifice and service I do to him now that I'm saved. So hopefully you see a clear difference. So you can close your Bibles and look up here, please. I covered all that because two little things. I, I'm speaking to those of you that are saved and challenge you and encourage you from the word of God that you will live for things that are eternal. Live for things that last forever. And by doing so, you'll be laying up treasures in heaven. By doing so, you'll be having rewards in heaven. But so often, we as believers get caught up with the things of this world. All our attention and time focus on material things which will just pass. We focus on things that are temporal and not eternal. So you say, Pastor, how do I know what is eternal? How do I know that I'm living for eternal things? Good question, isn't it? Let me give you two ways, two practical ways. It's not on the screen. It's not in your notes. Two things you look at to see if you, how much time you give eternal things. Number one, look at your calendar. By the way, I have a calendar on my computer. It goes all through next year. I got something every day for next year. Many of you have a busy calendar. How much of your time are you giving to the temporal and how much time are you giving to the eternal? Look at that. Most of us, you'll probably find it, most if not all is to the temporal and very little, if any, to the eternal. How much is given to the word of God, to study, to learning, to obeying, to applying it and sharing it with others? How much is focused on winning souls for Christ? Look at your calendar. Number two, the second practical way, look at your bank statement. I used to call it your checkbook. We don't write checks much anymore, do we? Look at that. How much money how much money is spent on the eternal or the temporal? Probably most of you see it's for temporary things. But how much money goes to the eternal? Last Sunday you had an opportunity to give to the eternal, given to missionaries. Money given to that is eternal, brings eternal dividends. How much money do you give for people to come into Christ? So two areas, look at your calendar, look at your bank statement and see how much is focused on the temporal as compared to the eternal. 
And I want to encourage you, chances are many of you, I look at and say, Pastor, I see not much of my time is given to the eternal. Not much of my money is given to the eternal. My friend, make some changes. Listen, please. When you get to heaven and you've been there for five minutes, you will not think about what kind of house you lived in on this earth. You will not think about what kind of car you drove. You're not talking about how much money you made. You're not talking about how many treasures you had on this earth. You're going to talk about what did you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going to count. So why spend all your time on the temporal? Why not begin to focus on the eternal? Focus on that. Some of you are young. You've got your life before you. My friend, live for the word of God. Live for the reaching of the souls of men. One day you'll be able to get to heaven and you'll hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or you may find that you might be ashamed because you live for temporal things. So what are the rewards? What are the treasures? Next Sunday, come back. We'll cover that in the next morning service. But let me close with this. We compared salvation as a free gift and rewards that are earned. Let me close with this. Have you ever received God's free gift? Have you done that? Remember, it cost you nothing. It cost God everything. There was a work required, but Jesus did it at the cross. And we're saved through the finished work of Christ. It's given to you freely out of God's grace. You don't deserve it. It's given because he loves you, and he wants to give it to you. By grace through faith, you're saved. Your part simply to believe, to receive Christ. Chances are most of you have done that. Well, we close with this. Next Sunday is Friend Day. You want to spend some time to count for eternity? Invite a friend. <laughs> invite a lost person to come to Christ. Now, you may invite them. They may not come. I invited several. I hope they're going to be here. That's their decision. But at least invite them. I'm going to do my very best to share with them how to know for certain heavens are home how to be saved. Most of my messages are for believers. Have you noticed that? I always try to include the gospel at the end for those who are not saved. Next Sunday will be solely a gospel message. And for those that you invite to come. Pastor, I have no friends. You come anyway, okay? But please come and try your best to bring someone with you. Invite them to come. But let's close with this. If you have never received Christ as your Savior, let's do it today. Let's bow together. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. This morning I've been talking to those of you that are saved and trying to challenge you from God's word to not to live for things that's going to pass, not to live for the temporal, but live for the eternal, to seek to lay treasures up in heaven, to seek to earn rewards that God offers you when you serve him. I encourage you to do that. But if you're here today and you're not saved, whether you're watching by live stream or sitting in this congregation, if you never received the gift of eternal life, my friend, you can do it right now. It's a gift that you receive by faith. Believe in that when Christ died, he died for you. And trust him to be your savior. If you like to do that and you have not done it before, you'd like to do it today, why not talk to God? In your own thoughts, say something like this. Just say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, and because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe 
that Jesus Christ was punished in my place. The judgment for my sin, Jesus took upon himself. I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. He died in my place, he was buried, and I believe he rose again. And right here today, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me and forgive me. I'm trusting him to give me eternal life. I'm receiving the free gift of salvation. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, did that make sense to you? Did you trust Christ to be your Savior today? If you did, I'd like to know that. I want to pray for those who made that decision. I'd like to include you in my closing prayer, which I'm going to do in one moment. But if you trust Christ as Savior today, and allow me to pray for you with heads bowed and eyes closed, just simply raise your hand real high. Pastor, man, I trust Christ. Would you pray for me? God bless you. Anyone else? Pastor, it made sense to me. I trust Christ. Would you pray for me? Anyone else real quickly this morning? Father in heaven, we thank you for this one. And in case your hand that trusted you as Savior, heaven's now his home. He has that present possession of eternal life. I pray, Father, he would share that good news with his friends, his loved ones that know not Christ the Savior. He would tell others what Christ has done for him. Father, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. But Father, once we say, we thank you that we can begin now to store rewards in heaven. And hear you say one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, we ask your blessing upon us. We go separate ways. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.